0: Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our series. This is our second episode of Culture, Culture, Culture. I love it, Michelle. We literally started talking in the first episode about mission, vision, and values. And today's episode, we're going to focus on now that you're ready, what can get in your way of really elevating your culture once you've established mission, vision, and values. Michelle, what can get in our way?
1: Like so many things that you can't imagine. And the biggest of all of them is people. But I actually want to step back a second. When you said earlier, let's call it culture, culture, culture. I laughed inside because as we both know, and as we've talked about on many episodes, we are so sick of hearing people use the word culture, not because it is important, but because it's not freaking rocket science.
0: I know we talk about this all the time.
1: Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to culture you guys until you're willing to call us to help you figure it out or figure it out yourself. Just freaking figure it out already. So when I think about the things that get in the way, I know I said people and guess what? Maria, I recognize that our listeners are people, so in theory, I just blamed them for their problems, but ultimately, that's what it boils down to, right? If culture is, or the, the, the root of culture is how people behave in a collective space, team, department, whatever, if it's how we choose to collectively behave, it means that the individuals play a big role. Now, I think where the problems really start to come in is when you start to cross those people with the stages that your business might be going through. So for example, if you are a brand new organization starting out from scratch, mm, life gets a little bit easier if you're willing to you can define up front who you are, create kind of your leadership philosophy, who you're looking for as the cultural fit, and then you can hire or create your recruiting strategy based on that. So there are some advantages. Now, there's some disadvantages to that as well. If you decide that you're going to hire people who are a cultural fit and yet you're just growing, that might mean you have to turn down a lot of people. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. It's tough as a startup or when you're starting a new business because people are like, oh, it's so easy to establish your culture. You're a new business. Just think of whatever you want and poof, that's just how it establishes. But you don't realize how challenging it is because you're literally in a startup mode, in growth mode, and you're willing to... Bring in the right people, no matter what it takes. And I've seen this happen a lot where literally a leader of a startup's like, okay, I need an engineer with X, Y, and Z experience, and I need them now to create this. And I need a technology expert in, in X, Y, and Z, right? And a developer and this and that. And and so you're looking for a skill set and you find a really good candidate, but they don't meet the culture.
1: Right. And in most cases, we bend and we hire that person because we justify it by saying we need that experience. We need that skill set in order to be successful. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to share a story. I did not ask for permission. He may throat punch me later, figuratively, not literally. So a very good friend of ours, someone that we know, started his business, was it a year and a half ago now, or has it been two years? I
0: think it's been two years, yeah.
1: Wow. So about two years ago, and this particular person, outside of you, Maria, and a handful of other people that I've worked with, he's probably someone that I could talk to about culture all day long, because he's got it completely figured out. He knows exactly what he's looking for in a leader. He knows what strengths he wants his employees to bring to the table. He is a customer facing business. And so attitude is important, how people treat the customer. But he also likes the idea of a little bit of innovation within his business as well. And so he was looking for that. And I know him well enough to know, I'm going to go ahead and, and use his name. Maybe he won't hit, maybe he won't hit me. Do you think he'll hit me? I don't I don't know. I'm not I don't think he's going to hit you bad about I, I, it. I you if it was, it's just first name. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just first name. Okay. So Michael, um, he did all of this out of the gate. Like he did a whole visioning to come up with what kind of environment did he want to create? What was his employee value proposition? What was his customer's value proposition? He created his values. He branded those values into his marketing, into his employee documents, his training program. Like he did it all from scratch. And then he realized that a significant number of his employees were gonna be short-time high school and or college students who need just some quick cash, probably to buy beer. And that this wasn't, they weren't at a stage in their career where they really cared what the direction of the company was. They cared, what do I need to come in and do? How do I need to do it? And when do I get paid? And so that's another challenge that You might face as a startup, even if you're the ones that went through, busted it all out correctly, you might truly find that your employee base or the people that apply for jobs in your business are not aligned with what you want for your business. So how do you handle that?
0: So um, Michelle, are you saying they're kind of like you? They're just there for a paycheck? (laughs)
1: Um, Yes, I am. That's exact. They're a little bit like me, only I'm not a high school student anymore. True story. It's interesting
0: because you can, like you said, do everything right as a business and put in the work and dedication, but there are challenges you're going to face and you have to determine what you're willing to sacrifice or if you're willing to change. And that goes back a little bit to our last episode and also what we talked about in our Shut the culture, culture up series is what, as your company evolves, even if the evolution is day two of your company, how are you making the modifications that you need to be successful in your values and your culture based on your staff? And so I think, you know, Michelle, when you talk about someone who's um, high school or a college graduate, they're fresh coming out and they just want to be there, get their paycheck, work nine to five and be out. I think you have to recognize, okay, that might be my entry level portions, but do they still meet the culture, right? So when you're taking a look at retail or customer service industries, will they still be able to greet the customers? Will they still be able to acknowledge your customers' in a timely fashion and let them know, even if they're busy, that they'll be with them one moment. There are pieces that are still important. And you can see this in companies like Chick-fil-A, where they have a lot of high school graduates who are just there. However, their culture, anytime you say thank you, they say my pleasure. So they train and coach their teams to make sure it's a friendly atmosphere. And they all seem to get along really well, which is super interesting. So it's fantastic. They still are hiring great candidates.
1: Yes. You know, one of the things that you've started alluding to that reminds me of something we've talked about over and over again is when it comes to your vision. A real talent is the first time in my life where it's my, our, our neck on the line, right? Otherwise, before this, it was always you somebody else had to put the big funding behind the business, right? And we just showed up and did the work. So I get from um, an entrepreneurial owner perspective that it's your vision, but there's a key piece of having a great vision that is critical if you're ever going to be successful it has got to be a shared vision people need to see themselves contributing they need to see how it works with them so i think going back to what you said maybe it does become maybe it becomes it has to be altered a little bit and you have to ask yourself what are the non-negotiables the way you treat my customers non-negotiable Being um, innovative, maybe that's maybe it's negotiable. Maybe some people have the ability to create really cool food formula product stuff, and other people don't. They're really great at blending it exactly the way you tell them to, but maybe not mixing flavors together to come up with something that could be phenomenal. So you might have to go back and say, what is important? And, you know, when I when I look at or I think about our friend Michael, I think some of the things for him that were critical were definitely the way the customer is treated. Um, he wanted a business where people felt like this was sort of, it's the cheers version of coffee, right? It's the neighborhood gathering place. He also wanted an environment, which also leads to how the employees behave, but an environment where people truly felt comfortable making this like their little place away from the office, where it became a daily stop in, where they really did get to know each other. So that customer experience becomes the non-negotiable in his vision. Yeah, it's it's
0: when you're looking at customer service, it's almost like, how does this company make you feel when you go there? I go to Chick Fil A. It makes me feel good going through the drive-through because I know I'm not going to be getting somebody who's cranky and ridiculous. And if they are, they're not going to show it. It's like Disney, right. like they are on stage and they are in front of an audience, and you will never know if Mickey Mouse is like going through some struggles at his house or whatever.
1: <laughs> yep. Exactly. So, when you are that startup, you be okay if you have to go back and revisit it. Don't change your dream, but maybe change the way you get there. Now, an interesting thing you also said that you going back to there could be elements of it that you have to be successful at. There are also, and that entry level, maybe they can't do it all. There are also people that work for him that are in it kind of for the long haul, or this is, they at least see this as, you know, for four years while they're going through school or um, something to that effect. And he has a few people who literally, that is the place that their friends come to do study sessions, the group study sessions. They, so their friends are spending money there because they do see it as a calming place where you can hang out, you can buy some really great coffee and it's comfortable enough that you can still focus on what you need to get done. So there are elements of that. Maybe it just becomes that entry level. We're not always going to have that.
0: What about like his, uh, you know, you're talking about kind of like elevated people, right? If he's not there, he's got some sort of shift lead or people leader or manager act that he needs to make sure is aligned with his, is it okay to compromise at a leadership level in a startup?
1: The way you phrase that implied that you were asking for my opinion. <laughs> so if you're asking for my opinion, I just want you to confirm you are. always. <laughs> okay, okay. No, it's not, it's not. And the reason it isn't is it goes back to what, what you've heard me say about culture since the dawn of time, they're always going to be these macro, micro, macro. God, why can't I get that correct? You know, the other thing that I struggle with this is why employee relations and legalities were not my thing. Deal <laughs> with non exempt, exempt shit. Crazy. Makes me crazy. This is
0: why, Uh, Michelle, you stick to talent and training and I let the compliance and legalities.
1: Guys, literally, if you are listening to this, this is the exact, no, it's not just this, um, but this is one of the reasons that we collaborate what's so well together is what I don't enjoy. Maria thrives at what I thrive at. Like, talent and creating content and Maria doesn't love that stuff. So it's the reason that this partnership works very well for us. So can we compromise okay on on
0: a leader? Yeah. Can we compromise on a leadership position in a startup environment or in any business? Can we compromise our culture?
1: No. No, we can't.
0: Why not? What if you have a brilliant Steve Jobs who is a complete jerk but is brilliant? Steve Jobs is a freaking
1: jerk. <laughs> but he's brilliant.
0: I, he was
1: brilliant. Listen, listen, I literally I carry I devices everywhere in my life. So I'm not questioning his brilliance. Not questioning. Man, the stories are he was a jerk. I mean, those are stories. I don't know that. I don't know what to do. I'm just saying, those are the stories. And here's my thought about stories stories become reality. When they're told often enough, people believe them. But let's go back to leader. You compromise. Here's why you can't compromise. Because culture doesn't actually happen at an organizational level. Culture happens in small groups, small departments. You might even find that a small department, so organization that I've worked with before, the entire HR department, About 27 people. During busy seasons, we might bring in a few temps to help, but in general, about 27 people. So, in itself, pretty small department, right? But within that department, there are at least six to seven smaller cultural cliques that I could identify. And I identify them because I see those smaller groups coming together demonstrating similar activities, actions, choices, and working together to protect each other in a way that might not be happening at this, at that larger level. So I will say this until I have no more breath in my body. Your leader is either vocal and inspiring enough to drive that cultural direction or the loudest person on the team will drive that direction for you. And I want you guys to close your eyes right now, whether you are a leader and you're thinking individually, or you are a business owner and you're thinking about your entire organization. want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about the most outspoken people, you know, they are usually not happy and they are usually not helpful. The most outspoken people outside myself, I'm pretty outspoken. (laughs) The loudest people tend to be the people that are frustrated and maybe frustrated for a good reason. I don't know. I don't know your people. It could be our fault that they're frustrated. But when someone has reached a level of frustration that they're willing to talk to everybody about it, they just took over deciding what the culture of that group was going to be because they're the loudest person in the room. So no, don't compromise. Don't compromise.
0: I think some leaders listening are going to agree to disagree. I know they are. You know why? Because talent is
1: just as important as culture. (laughs) Uh, That is not what I was going to agree with, what I was going to say was because every organization that I worked for, there are some departments that decide culture is not important enough to select based on it. And I have worked in medium-sized companies, small companies, as well as Fortune 500 companies. So in all of them, there has always been groups of people who decide a diploma hanging on your wall or the credentials on your resume trump whether or not you believe in the company. So there you go. So here's my question for those people. Everybody close your eyes. I need you to imagine that it's your money, that it's your business, your head is on the table and it works or doesn't work. You ultimately take the fall. Do you really want people working for you that don't believe in what you do? An interesting thing that I think makes me a little bit different than those high schoolers I was talking about earlier is that one thing drives me. The one biggest driver for me is believing in what we do. I have worked at organizations way past the time that I should have gotten out because I believed that they had the potential potential to do something amazing. Some cases, they might have gone on to do those really cool things. It was still time for me to go. In other cases, I'm not sure they ever will because they haven't figured out that purpose drives people. And if you think it's just a generational thing, I think you could look at me and Maria right now, or we could bring in you know, virtually every friend that we have. I am on the high end of the X generation. Maria, you are, you've got to be a millennial. I'm a zennial. You're a zennial. (laughs) Jeez, these names get dumber and dumber. I'm just (laughs) telling you. It started with X generation and it has gone downhill since then. But whether you are a, really you're a zennial, (laughs) Whether you're a zennial, a millennial, what is the newest generation called? Generation. Let's don't even look it up. Liz, who even cares? <laughs> who cares? It's irrelevant. Who cares? Or you're in the X generation. Like we will all tell you we want to do work that matters. So we want, if we're going to have to work, I'd like it to be somewhere where what I do matters.
0: Yeah. So let's talk through that. You know, as a business, you want to be purposeful. But let's say you come in to an organization as a new C-level or a a new CEO within an organization, or you've decided that the culture has just gotten so out of hand that essentially you need to redesign the culture. You really need to turn the ship around. And you need to convince everybody else that it was wrong But if you were the one who created the bad culture or allowed others to hire that bad culture, do you take ownership for it? Like, what do you do? Get on a town hall and say, hello, everybody. We are officially changing our culture. By the way, (laughs) you may or may not make it through this whole process. And I suck at my job. Like, I don't I don't know what, like, how does that conversation start from the
1: top to change the culture? So this is such a tough question and in all honesty, I've never been in this situation so I can only assume what I would do, not necessarily what I have done right, but there's a level of authenticity that comes from just being honest. Do I? Do you have to say, sorry, I suck. <laughs> I got, oops, got to try again. I need to do over. I don't know that you have to do that. I think that if you have a halfway decent marketing department or you reach out to Marie and I, who are really good at this part too, I think that there's a way to spin it to say that wasn't working. That was that isn't serving us the way it should. It's certainly not getting us to where we need to be today. And it will definitely not get us to where we need to be in the future. So I think standing up and being honest is one of the first things I would say. So my opinion is you just, you, sometimes you got to tell people that the baby is ugly. I know you've heard that saying before sometimes. (laughs) Yes. I have a, so side note, we can keep this in here because it's a really fun story. I have a friend who just cannot lie. She just, I don't even know what it is it bothers her to even have to think about lying. And she actually does not think children are cute. She actually thinks they look a little bit like E.T. for the first couple of years of their life, like crazy alien kids. So when she sees a kid, instead of saying, oh my God, how cute, which is what all people do to be polite, she'd be like, oh my God, that is the best dress ever. So she skirts around the truth. I, I mentioned that. Only to make fun of Kyung and to say skirting around the truth doesn't work either. One of the cornerstones of a successful leader is the ability to trust you. And that means that I need to trust you with the hard decisions as well as the fun ones. And it means you, as the owner of the organization, fucking suck it up cupcake. You get the glory when you win. Take the shit when you fail. Again, you can word it well. You don't have to say, sorry, guys, that was just a test run. (laughs) Let's do the real thing. But to stand up, the humility and the openness that it takes to stand up and say, that didn't serve us. We need to go in a different direction. I think there's power in that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because as a leader, You sometimes have to reassess the culture on your team as it comes through, or as you take over the team. And sometimes I've been I've been put in predicaments where I hired for a certain position and a certain individual, and then all of a sudden that person did not meet and fit the culture needs. They they may have fibbed their way through the interview process, may have given you a really good story, really good BSer, or you know they've essentially may have been, you know, hired on and successful, and then over time or over years or over different leadership have become jaded. And so it's been a process that as a leader of a specific sub-department, I have been challenged with in working through that and reassessing the culture and seeing if it meets the company's expectation of what culture should be on my team so that team can work through And I think as you're taking a look at it from whether you're in HR and reaching out to us or listening to this, whether you're an individual contributor or you're a C level, I think, or a CEO in some sort of position, I think you need to take a look and assess what's critical to you as an individual or your business and identify how you can take that to the next level, how you can challenge yourself. At some point, at any point, do we sit there and ask ourselves, am I meeting the culture and expectations of what this current business is asking me? As an executive in an organization, are you identifying what your business purpose is? And if your recruiters or your hiring leaders are meeting the needs of your need for culture? So I think there's a multitude of, of things that everyone needs to consider, Whether you're an individual contributor, you're a hiring manager, or you're just trying to change the culture. So I think you really need to be purposeful and be very honest and say, you know what, we're kind of we need to redirect the ship. Whether you're talking with one individual, you're talking with a group of individuals on what the expectations are. And Michelle's right. I think you work with the marketing team if it's a whole business priority change or you work with each individual as you're assessing them and identifying them through different surveys, assessments, feedback, skip levels, assimilations, whatever the multitude of uh, assessments you want to do to figure out who's meeting your culture and who's not. That's kind of the second factor. And the third one is really, you're trying to change the current culture because your direction has changed and you're trying to start something new and conduct some change management. And I think, you know, we talked about this as well, right? Right. You want to turn the ship, but then maybe you turn it again or your direction is pivoted. And I think you need to identify what's really critical to you and what's going to be important and how you change that current culture.
1: Yeah, I think that um, when it comes to changing the culture, you know, here's the thing that you want to keep in mind when you're creating a vision for your organization your vision shouldn't be impossible. Could it be? in theory years down the road before you truly accomplish it. Of course you can, but it shouldn't be impossible to accomplish. And that means if it's if you're able to accomplish it, means that at one at some point it's going to change. Now let's pretend that it's a completely different reason. The world changes. Every single advancement to technology, every single innovation that happens in the world is potentially going to impact the way you service your customer. There are always going to be stores. I believe there there will always be a need for some businesses to have brick and mortar stores. I also believe that some are going to end up not brick and mortar. And if they can't figure out how to successfully transition their business to an e-commerce platform, they're going to go broke. Because there are just certain things that you're not going to, like today, you could almost say clothing, you can make a great argument because people like to try it on. But as it gets even easier to ship things back into, I mean, like, look at all the businesses that do the try it before you buy it kind of thing, where literally, in addition to being able to try it before you pay for it, they hire you a stylist to pick it for you and it doesn't cost you anything extra, right? So even something like that is changing. 2020 has absolutely pushed grocery shopping to a different level. I think there's already, there were a significant number of people who would do online shopping or make the purchase and then go by and pick it up. That was already becoming a really popular thing at national grocery chains. I mean, Walmart even had it before the pandemic, but now it's even more popular. A restaurant, a mom and pop restaurant, one in the whole wide world where I work or where I live for the first time, like they've been around since I was 14 years old because it was one of the first places I applied for a job for. So we're talking about a whole lot of years. They have a drive-thru. Holy shit, they totally tore out a wall and made a drive-thru because that's how they're getting their business. Now, I have a friend that is going to say that he already says the drive-thru ruined America. This year is going to make him super crazy. <laughs> but um, restaurants have reinvented how they get food to you because they had to based on um, state restrictions around the global pandemic, right? So there will always, always be something that changes in the world that forces your business to evolve if you're going to stay relevant. Whether it's that you realized your strategy was wrong or you need to change it, stand up, tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it, how they play a part in it, and then inspire them to get on board. What you should never do, This there are two phrases we're going to make end of year, Maria. We're making a list of phrases that cannot go into 2021. Um, But there are two phrases that I hear all the time, and they make me crazy. One is when people say it is what it is. Shut the hell up. (laughs) Are you kidding me? The only people that say it is what it is are people that have no creativity and aren't willing to innovate. That's it. The rest of you need to ask questions because maybe the way it was is wrong. The other statement that drives you crazy is based directly around change. And it's where people say, the only constant, the only guarantee is that there will be change. Well, you know what phrase I'm talking about? Yeah, I know I packed it up, but you know what I'm Uh saying? The only constant is change. That's it. Okay. So shut up already. You're trying to get humans, people that have emotions that often see themselves through the quality of their work or what they do. You're talking about people who, with some significant changes, start to feel irrelevant in their roles. They start to worry if they have a place in this new direction. So guess what? Until humans are completely replaced with artificial intelligence you just have to deal with the fact that we have emotions and you got to help us through the change. And that means that you've got to stand up and you've got to talk to us like people tell us what's happening, why we're changing it, how you think the change will make it better and how we can help you achieve that change.
0: With culture, there's some things you just can't talk about. You can't talk about, you know, you can't be completely transparent on what's going on with COVID or reductions in force or whatever, right? Because that's a change to your company. Although I will say there have been some companies during COVID that have been successful at being transparent with their teams and saying, hey, we have to reduce compensations or salaries. We have to find profitability somewhere. And so we're asking you guys to come up with solutions for us. We're asking anybody interested in retiring or whatever. So there's a lot of change that has been happening this last, I gotch seven, eight months now. And I think leaders need to be mindful of it when they're going through and adjusting a culture, shifting their own mindsets, or trying to change
1: their teams, essentially through this whole process. For sure. And I would agree with you. There are absolutely organizations that have done this well by being as transparent as possible. I've also seen people do it really bad, right? I've seen people string someone along, especially during all those furloughs and be like, no, we're going to bring you back. No, we're going to bring you back. No, we're going to bring you back. Oops, my bad, you're fired. So yes, there are elements of your company strategy that you can't disclose. And if you are a publicly traded company, there are probably even more things that you have to hold close to the close to the vest But I also, I believe there are things you can say that are not misleading and are not lies that are as truthful as possible. You know what? I would rather you as a leader tell me, so I'm going to use, do you remember Jeff? He used to help teach leadership foundations and he looked like Gargamel (laughs) from the Smurfs. If he ever listens to this podcast. I mean it as a compliment, (laughs) dude, seriously. But this is the kind of culture that I wish people would create within their leadership team. And it also goes to that transparency, right? So he was a district leader in an organization that I worked for. And he, as well as 12 of his peers, were all told to save X amount of money in payroll. He is the only one that sat down and said, do I need to save X amount of money or do I need to save X amount of money in labor dollars? Help me understand the difference. Are you just saying you want more money on the bottom line? Because I can do that a number of different ways without tackling my labor force first. People go with labor, I think, because it's the easy answer. And so, you know, for me, that's the example of, What you were saying with that honesty, we need to save. We need to spend blank less than we did last month. Help us figure out how to do that. That's honesty within an organization that I can respect, even if it does result in pay cuts or job elimination, because you've given us the ability as the people doing the job to find the solution. When you give us the ability to find the solution, we're more likely to buy into the fact that that is the correct solution. Doesn't even love it, but we will buy into it. So regardless of what it is, I would challenge you to say there has got to be a way for you to be as honest as possible. If someone were to ask you, will there be layoffs? I think it is fair for you to say always that we will do what we need to do as an organization. In order to be successful. And I've seen a ton of companies do it a lot of different ways. I worked for, well, we both did. I don't know if you were here at the time during the economic recession at FedEx, and people over a certain level took a percentage pay cut. First, we did not get our annual incentive compensation, it was completely removed. But then we went up. And so let's say you were at a manager level. And then you're at a senior manager, a director, vice president, and on up, the percentage of pay cut got just a little bit higher, even up to the CEO, the chairman of the board for the entire organization. And Brian Phillips, who you and I both have a lot of respect for, he laid it out with transparency that demonstrated a level of courage that most leaders don't have. And so in a room full of people, we combined two classes. So it's probably about 50, 60 um, leaders who had just taken pay cuts. And they were all asking, will we get the money back? Will there be retro pay when it all balances out? Like blah, 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 right? And he said, here's the deal. He said, you're not gonna love this answer, but here's the deal. Each of you in this room could take a 5% pay cut or we could have fired a thousand people. What choice would you have made? And they all went, yeah. Pay, pay got it in, (laughs) Um, because now we were able to keep from having to lay off anyone during that that particular recession. But the courage to stand up and just be honest and take that—it's a big deal. I guarantee those sixty people, those sixty leaders, walked out of that room with more respect for him than they probably had any senior executive in their career because he was willing to let them be angry and he was willing to be incredibly honest about the choice.
0: Yeah, taking that full circle, I think it's really important for leaders if you're building your culture that's a cultural impact. Those leaders will buy in more if there's a top-down shift in some of those priorities and that they can show to their teams that they're dedicated and driven towards that. And as simple as a reduction in pay or reduction in force and everybody being bought in and transparent, obviously it's going to change a culture. People are going to be a little bit fearful. There's a lot of different, there's a multitude of things, which obviously we can talk through all day that are components of the communication that goes out. So it's not as simple as that. However, I think to your point, Michelle, it's really critical as a leader of whatever department or whatever organization that you have really strong talking points and how you're gonna execute those processes to create that shift or that dynamic in a culture of change.
1: I also think that this is, so guys, we're gonna wrap this up, but I wanna end soon. I wanna end with this one thought. For those of you who disagree with me, as Maria put it earlier, that a leader's skill is more important than their cultural fit. Um, We ended this session by talking in great length about how leader directly impacts your workforce. Choose shitty leaders, get shitty results. So if you continue to put nothing but a diploma and credentials on a resume, as your priority when you pick your leaders don't get pissed off when your employees complain about their jobs
0: that's a great segue so until our next episode where we're going to talk through employee atmosphere candidates who fit and don't fit the qualifications but thank you for tuning in to this episode until next time everyone take care
1: bye bye guys